Welcome to Food and Loathing, the island of misfit toys for the Las Vegas foodie community. <laughs> I'm your Charlie in a box, Al Mancini. Our co-host for the week, we'll just call her Rudolph. Offthestrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens has flown in to join us once again this week. Is my nose red? Like, Would you like it to be? I don't know. I mean, is it cold outside? Did you put something in my I, coffee? Yeah, What's going on here, Rich? I just thought like, you're, you're the coolest. <laughs> oh, I love oh, that. Yeah. The coolest. Always. Uh, I will shine through. I'm, I'm okay star. with You'll this. You'll like, tattoo your nose red permanently, you know? I have a lot of tattoos. Get the I don't ears, think I'm going to put one on my face. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Our favorite ostrich riding cowboy packing a water pistol full of jelly as he produces this entire thing is the one and only Mr. Rich Johnson. The visuals know, today are great. If I didn't know you were talking about a kid's uh, thing, I would think that's very Vegas uh, strip club, Industrial <laughs> Avenue kind of deal. It's amazing how you can not even dis, you right? know, mess with yeah. the actual content, and yet it has a dirty content. Oh, I've not so even, much fun already this morning. Not even ironic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how is everybody? It's good. Been a while, yeah, yeah, it's been how a little been? while. I've been really good. Yeah, I've been uh, getting ready. I'm going to do some minor renovations to my kitchen because I'm not going to wait for a remodel for next year, so... Um, having some fun with that and just kind of getting ready for the holidays, trying to figure out what minor? we're going to do. You're replacing every appliance. We right? are replacing every <laughs> single appliance. I have a fridge as of 9.15 this morning. Does it um, talk to you? Does it play Oh, music? man, it, it sang like when the guy plugged <laughs> in. I can knock on the window and it'll light up and t- show me what's inside. Oh, it's, it doesn't, It's it has Wi-Fi, but it's not like playing music and things like that. So I, I had a limit. That was too much. I didn't get the one that had the Keurig built in. That was an option, apparently. Oh, Lordy. No, no. That's just another thing to break. Is this one going to tell you when your cabbage goes bad? Pretty much. Oh, okay. Sorry I insulted you earlier in your choice when I thought, if I got to figure out when my cabbage goes... If I have to have a piece of refrigerator to tell me when the cabbage goes off, I shouldn't have bought the cabbage in the first Exactly. Place. And I deserve the food poisoning. I swear I can still survive on a dorm room fridge based on the Oh yeah. The infrequency with which I eat and <laughs> it really just needs to hold leftovers. I get it. Until they go to the microwave. I get right? it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Rich, how about you, man? Everything good? It has been a very, very well. I'm enjoying this uh, little warmth yeah. spurt we're having in Las Vegas where it's it's up to almost sixty. Warmth spurt. Yeah. <laughs> I had, they were I had to drive my car with no side view mirror into the shop today. And there was fucking frost on yeah. the back, back um, thing that I oh, had Oh, yeah. To my pool had ice on it the go. other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I have never seen frost on one of my cars. Really? You know, wow. Or whatever you call yeah. it. Thing. Yeah. Well, last oh week it was like a three sweater sweatshirt day. I would start out with something really heavy, go to medium, and then, like I'm wearing now, first thing in the morning, this lighter <laughs> sweater. Almost 60 outside. That's, yeah, my allergies kicked up because yeah. I got warm and things were blooming yeah. again. Like that is, winter in Vegas is the weirdest thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so um, let's dig into this show. We usually kick things off starting about what we've been eating. And yes. um, let's, let's let Rich start it off. Yeah, a little call back to what we were talking about last week about those, what, what's the triggering point when a long cherished personal or family favorite restaurant goes back oh yeah yeah or or is it just off a bit was that the deal with the thing in palm springs yeah palm springs the place just seems to be getting worse every year oh Oh, yeah i was thinking enough though i don't think they raise the prices and as i look at people online constantly bitching about restaurants raising their prices yeah and then i look at the people who dine at 
this place <laughs> that I went to where the food gets worse and worse every fucking year, and but the prices but the price stay the same. Yeah. Like you get what you pay for, people. If your yeah. rent has gone up twenty five percent, and I was gonna say if everything around you has gone up, but that yeah. hasn't, yeah. something's got to give. The, oh, the right. restaurants need to have their pricing go up. You should really be asking a question yeah. of what the fuck they started <laughs> shipping on. Like, so my fear was that when a, a childhood uh, treasure uh, might have gone off since nineteen oh. Seven, five generations of family. Dan and Louie's Oyster Bar has served up some pretty good fish and oysters in the same location in Portland's Old Town. It was always in remains a medium-priced joint. Uh, all kinds of rooms looked the same as they did when my father first took me there somewhere around 1962. Uh, dark wood, low ceilings, evoking the inside of a sailing ship. Lots and lots wow. of plates on the wall. Most of them oyster plates from various Pacific Northwest restaurants that have come in long ago gone. I got in for lunch. I opened the menu thinking, eh, Crab Louie time. Oh, I love a good Louie. Uh, but no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got all excited. Now I'm disappointed. <laughs> no fresh Dungeness crab on the menu anymore. Oh. No menu, no crab anywhere on the menu. So I'm thinking, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I opted for the first thing I ever ate there back in 62, which was fish and chips. And I was so relieved to find the fresh cod as perfect as ever. Yeah. Coleslaw, vinegary, mayo-forward kind mm. that I love. Fries out of the freezer bag, but they stood up just fine. Beverage pairing, of course, Diet Pepsi. There you go. They didn't have Diet Coke, so Easy I settled. <laughs> uh, later, a manager told me the fresh Dungeness crab, it was hitting 50 bucks a pound to them. Oh, Much damn. less what they would have to mark up. And he said, we just can't do that. That's not our, our customer base. So Talk shrimp. About Salmon. Changing prices. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, they they stay in the range. At least they're not trying to keep the same thing on the menu. Yeah. I appreciate that. It was a yeah. pared down menu from yeah. way back. When. Yeah. They they closed during COVID and I wasn't sure anybody was sure they were going to reopen, but they have. Wow. So I can live with that as long as Dan and Louie's Oyster Bar, second in Ankeny in downtown Portland, right around the corner from the original Voodoo Donuts. Oh, yeah, I have been over there. Uh, lives on. So uh, the other uh, thing I did... Just uh, yesterday, as we record this new thing in my neighborhood, Sin Fronteras. They have a, uh, it's it's local folks, looks like a family. They opened a second place. It's we're back, back in Las Vegas now. Yeah, right? we're back yeah. in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Cool. Uh, in the nice weather. Um, <laughs> fast, casual Mexican. They've got a room for about 20 people, but they do a lot of takeout. I okay. had a chicken burrito done chimich style, you know, a chimichunga. Oh, yeah. Deep fried. It was wonderful. Side of guac was, I, I swear, 99% avocado. The they didn't straight, yes. straighten it out too much. Uh, green sauce gave it a nice little kick. Plenty of chicken inside to compete with the rice and beans. Definitely done uh, with you know some spices and stuff on the flat top, chopped up nice. and, and very nice. The original location's at Tanae and Alexander, which is just south of Craig, just west of the 95. <laughs> this new one's a, a few doors down from the Halal Guys, yep. which I love. Uh, Life's a Bagel in the uh, big strip mall with the Smiths at Lake Mead and Rampart. Uh, go have them. Sin Fronteras. Tacos y Mas, it uh, says on the outside. The price point on that place? That was uh, the big chimichanga was uh, 11 bucks, uh, 3 bucks extra for the guac. Three bucks extra for the chimney style, so about eighteen bucks. So I, I got out of there with twenty one, twenty two bucks, and it was okay. a monster. Yeah, uh, monster chimichanga. For yeah, little, it was okay. good. It was good. Twenty five bucks with the diet coke or whatever. Yeah, I actually it. threw because the guy wasn't showing up, and I needed to get out of there. I threw down a, a twenty and a ten, so they got about an eight dollar tip Ooh. Good. on a twenty dollar expender. Yeah, <laughs> good tip. Well, 
Um, okay. Your turn. So moving to the Las Vegas dining experiences. I do not have a lot again this week. More on that momentarily. But let's hear from you, Ms. Gemini. Well, hey, it's good to see you guys again. Um, I have so much. I, I've eaten so much lately that I tried to even just keep it to this past week. That's how much we've been going <laughs> out. Um, I was really excited. I got to visit some great places. Um, we had takeout from Mint Indian Bistro on Durango. Um, I used to love the one on Flamingo. I don't even know if it's still there anymore, but that's when I first started going there. That's where they were. Um, I just didn't care for the whole like lunch buffet thing. I'm not a buffet person. Mm. I want to order a few dishes and I want them to be done right. And that's it. So they do a good buffet in there. We've actually um, done a podcast yeah. in there yeah. during their buffet yeah. and it was solid, but I'm with and that's you. Great. I just, it's just don't not for me. Buffet, yeah. It's, it's, it's totally a personal choice. I'm not a huge fan of the buffet and the big things yeah. of yeah, it's just yeah i like that for indian because there's so much i don't know about sure indian cuisine yeah still and so i will try a bite or something that looks completely yeah. unfamiliar and to be fair they make such good food that 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 would be smart for somebody who doesn't know a lot yeah. of their dishes um so we just took a bunch to go um called ahead we were craving samosas um you know those vegetarian dumplings that are often fried like um uh, they kind of uh, look like, um, I can't even think of the word, like the, hot stickers, but they're big, yeah, they're more yeah. bready. The biggest F word, the greatest F word ever. Fried. fried yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, super well done. They were super stuffed. Like there wasn't this huge air pocket in the middle. No. Um, potatoes and peas and just all the lovely spices. Um, one of my favorite dishes they do is called chana masala, which is a stewed chickpea dish. And I love chana masala with mango chutney and they do both really well. Uh, so we had that. We had something called papdi chat, which is uh, kind of like a street food. Um, it's most base description. It's basically a rice bowl with all kinds of Indian food goodies in it, like rice and chickpeas and little pakori, which are like little dumplings, um, all kinds of spices and chutneys and sauces. Yeah. And it's just all mixed into this one big thing. Really delicious. And then on top of the vegetarian stuff, their chicken thigh korma. I really appreciate it. A lot of people still use, quote, white meat or whatever when they're doing chicken. It drives me crazy. It goes dry. It's not as tasty. Yeah. Um, we had a lamb dish that was really delicious. I mean, it's there's a reason it's one of the best loved Indian places in town. Um, the naan was delicious, but my only complaint is that you got one piece and it was $11. That's yeah, too much that's for a piece of naan. Bread, <laughs> the yeah, rest yeah, of the food service. was great. Great prices. The, they give you a lot of raita. If you ask for raita, it's only a couple of bucks. Yeah, the Thank non was good, but it was a little expensive. Now, regular listeners will know that you are um, obs- not obsessed, but you're a fan <laughs> of the Super Hot. Yes. And that is a restaurant that has sort of their wall of oh, flame. They right? have oh, yeah. some good. So I remember once um, at the old location, I got a super, super spicy dish. I forget what it was called. And friends around me were sweating. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's dig in. <laughs> uh, we kept this. You can choose your spice level when you order your, mm-hmm. your different dishes. We kept it at like a three or four because John wasn't feeling too spicy that right. night. Um, but it was still a good kick. So kit. you didn't so, do the inferno. I'm no. Not see your picture on the if wall it was just there. me, then I probably would have. Yeah, but I, that is a good place to note that people who do love spicy food Absolutely. should check out. Yeah, they have a range for everybody. And if you're not sure because everybody's range is five or ten or whatever, it's all different, ask them. They will guide you and they will be honest. They're not just going to say one to five, pick one. Right. They will tell you where that spice, because we only had a three and it stood out. It was spicy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you go above that and you're going to really enjoy it. Um, I also went to L2 Barbecue on Worm Springs last week off the 215. I went with Eric Gladstone. Cool. I uh, went and checked it out and we were talking about barbecue. And one of my things in town is there's some great barbecue out there. There's some that I haven't even had yet. 
But what I find is that I don't go to a barbecue place for like the whole meal. I like ribs from this place and I like chicken from this place and I like the sausages at this place. Um, And this one was actually really well-rounded. I had never been there, so we tried a bunch of stuff. The smoked chicken was super tender. Um, It was dark meat, which I really like. The brisket was moist with just the right amount of chew. But the standout for me is something I'd never had before. Deep fried ribs. Hmm. Again, my favorite there F word. There seems to be a theme going. Oh my gosh. Like we're just fried. <laughs> yes. Into the fryer. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason it's sweater weather too. It's to hide the fact that I'm not wearing a belt right now. Um, <laughs> it was it was shocking because it seemed like it should be dry and it was fall off the bone tender. The outside was super crispy. The coating was flavorful. The rib itself was flavorful. Um, how they do all that together, I don't know. Um, the greens were fantastic, not mushy by any stretch. Um, that's a problem I have when you're doing greens in great yeah. big buckets sometimes. Is, um, But one thing I also noticed is that it wasn't a salt bomb. Like usually yeah. I can I, – I love salt. My little rant right now. I love salt probably more than most people. I realized when the salt bay thing started a few years ago, I felt like everybody's food got super salty because they were always yeah. trying to prove that they had the flakes on top or they could do yeah. the elbow thing. Yeah. Um, and this was not. like It was refreshing that it was super well-balanced. And for barbecue, that's hard to do sometimes. Um, not super salty, not overly sweet for the parts that had to be sweet. Um, yeah, go check it out. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll condense a few things. We went to Sparrow and Wolf last week. They're going to be changing the menu some more soon. So we had two things that I fell in love with. The pork secreto that's on right now, super thinly sliced in a peanut knock chum sauce. It's got a little piece of foie gras on top. Not a huge dish, super flavorful, perfect. We shared that. And they had these Parisian gnocchi, which are more like nudie, um, just the cheese version without the potato. Super light, Mm. crispy on the outside, but they had sweetbreads with them. I've only had sweetbreads where they're usually prepped, fried, they're kind of melty, because I love awful and offcuts and things like that. Mm-hmm. These were really meaty. Like, you had to chew them, and I didn't hate it. Like, we really liked it. It was the first time I've ever had them substantial like that. So, I mean... Sweetbreads are... They're, they're one of those weird dishes that are very off-putting the first time they you can eat them. Be. And it can take a while to to develop a taste. I mean, yeah. literally, the first time they were served to me was at um, Guy Savoie. Oh, yeah. And it was an off-the-menu item that they added to a tasting menu for us. And they're like, yep. well, you guys eat everything? And of course, we eat everything. <laughs> everything. And they brought sweetbreads. <laughs> this is 20 years ago. And um, I remember biting into it, and Sue and I were both like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. We're probably going to mm-hmm. eat enough to be polite. And, you know, <laughs> and that was it. But literally, we ended up finishing the plate because yeah. the more we ate them, the more addicted yeah. to them we became. And you have to be willing to sort of get through that you initial You do, because you know, there is a gaminess thing. to it. There is this, you know, and, and usually for some people, it's a texture thing. Because like I said, they're usually a lot softer and then you tell them what it is and mm-hmm. they go, yeah. So yeah. these were kind of had this meatiness to them that was really, really good. Um, and then I just really need to give a shout out to Lotus of Siam. I finally went to the Red Rock location the other night. We got a table for four. Beautiful, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. Walking in, even just being around it on the outside, like they really took care. You're not just walking through the doors. It's all of it on the outside as well, even yeah. with the construction stuff they're doing on the side. Um, and, uh, you know, I for the first time, I actually ate the shell on the crispy shrimp. I usually Whoa, take yeah. that part off and either save it for the dog <laughs> or put it in soup or something like that. It was so crispy. 
I loved it. I dug in. I have not done that before. I usually take yeah, all the shells off. Yeah, that's what they want off. you to do. Eat them like potato chips. And it chips. was so, and they, that's what they were. I mean, they were super crispy, super light. I think Penny told me her mom used to make those oh. for her in order to get her to have more calcium. I in her am diet. a convert. Seriously, it was probably one of the best things I had last week. Um, and then I just want to throw out there. Uh, Miracle on Spring Mountain at the Sand Dollar Lounge. Oh yeah, yeah. The, orig- the original Sand Dollar Lounge because there's two now. Right. Uh, Miracle at Spring Mountain is at the at the Spring Mountain location. The pizza pop ups for charity have started. Cool. So we went on Monday. Julian Aseo from Paso Robles, Le Petit Canal, came in. He used to be here in Vegas. Um, he did an escargot pizza that was a mm. lot like eating escargot <laughs> with the bread on top and the right. garlic and the, all the stuff. Um, but it, it's all for charity, so it's more of a reminder. Go to offthestrip.com. I just put a piece out on it. Um, it's got the whole schedule of everybody. It's it's a charity supporting Project Real, um, yeah. which is an educational program for kids, teaching them laws, regulations, how to how to maneuver coming into adulthood, knowing what that's like. Um, so go check that out. It was yeah. the the cool. pizzas are delicious. There's another one tonight. Well, Wednesday because we're recording, and then it's Mondays and Wednesdays through the twenty first. Uh, and a I couple think, more. I weeks. think there's a Sunday in there too. So yeah, go but check it out. You have the whole schedule over at offthestrip.com. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Wonderful. You head over there. Yeah. Um, cool. As I said, not a lot for me this week. That annoying stomach bug seems to have rent- rented out some long-term space somewhere in my digestion. <laughs> oh, oh right. honey. Just still recovering from a 30-year period in which I learned the hard way that Keith, Keith Richards is not a proper <laughs> health care yeah. model. So um, docs say I'm fine, not contagious, and not about to die anytime soon. I have another appointment after this recording session. Uh, so if they change their mind, or you know, if I kick over the... Between now, oh, that, and the we're next not going to let that happen. Yeah, no. Hopefully, you guys will put out one last episode to share the news. But um, again, so with the stomach bothering me, I haven't been going out a lot, you know. But despite the constant rumbly in my tumbly, I did have one extraordinary restaurant meal since last we spoke. Um, my beautiful and considerate wife Sue booked some light birthday Yay, celebrations over the weekend. And happy birthday! Again. Happy birthday! Thank yeah, 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 you. Thank still you, alive. You. Still alive. As we know. record to the big disclaimer there. Five. Hey, look, yeah. man, I still beat the over fucking under, man. <laughs> I beat the over-under in a big way for anybody who knew yeah. me 20 years ago. So even if I kick tonight, man, I'm still it's still a payout for a lot of people <laughs> who had the over. Um, anyway, so my beautiful wife, Sue, booked some um, late birthday celebrations. And that included a show in the Arts District. Um, oh, man, and I'm singeing on the name of it. I know I think you've been to it, too. Right across from the Pepper Club. Um, the Illumination. Uh, Illuminarium? No, that's at Area 15. No. What am I thinking um, of? Oh, God. Anyway, it was a great show, and I'll remind you what it was. It was the second to last night, so I don't feel bad that I'm not telling anybody what it <laughs> yeah, was. Uh, but a lot of light projection projected onto walls. Oh, big yes. warehouse. Project and, um, something? Yeah. Why, why can't it, I think it? Of was it was really cool. <laughs> um, but before that, we um, had a dinner at the Pepper Club in the English Hotel. They're a little over nine months old right now, and I was absolutely blown away by how much they're crushing it with what may be... Las Vegas' first truly legit boutique hotel experience. Okay. I mean, so many yeah. off-strip joints have tried and failed to replicate the kind of boutique experience you get in other great cities. Um, a handful of strip places have done the best that they could in recreating that experience in the midst of a multi-billion dollar mega resort. But, you know, never really boutique. And I didn't think Vegas was ever going to have yeah. a true boutique experience. But I got to tell you, these guys fucking nail it. 
Um, I won't pretend to know what hipsters are into in 2022, <laughs> but as someone who hung with several generations of legit high-profile hipsters over several decades, yeah. this is the kind of exp- place that I would expect them to hang out in Las Vegas. Okay. And our meal was rock solid. Some simple hand rolls. A really unique spin on crispy rice with tuna, with spicy tuna. And, you know, I suppose that's kind of become a sushi staple by now, that crispy rice. There was Mm -hmm. a time when it was, you know, a a novel dish. You know, but I remember even when Carrie Simon was making it at the Palms, at that point it had really become almost an American comfort food. And at that point, people don't really play with it that much. But... um, but Chef Todd did. He they they really decided to um get a little creative with it. And it wasn't anything crazy and over the top, but just a little touch of coconut milk in the rice. Okay. And um it feels like they had a piping um what do you call it? A that? piping bag. Piping bag that they sort of yep. you know, put the um the spicy tuna on top with. So it was just it, it I kinda had a lighter feel to it and um it was pretty to look at. Um fantastic dish. You know, very simple, not that much different from the sure. usual, but it was just slightly unique enough yeah little that touches you felt like okay you were having a todd english dish okay. not just a staple that you have at every sushi restaurant that you get to um for our entree a whole bronzino loaded up with garlic oh, and then yes. torched and deboned at the table Ooh. um some ube churros Ooh. a la mode for dessert okay which was really awesome uh service was honestly it was a level that was worthy of any top strip restaurant. Uh, we had one minor mix-up on, on the number of oysters that we had ordered with sure. the sushi, but no big deal with that. Um, they delivered everything was delivered by this incredibly knowledgeable, very chic front of the house team who are so frigging young that it didn't recognize <laughs> any of them from any yeah. other restaurant. Yeah, when you have to ask the bartender for ID, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was funny because I mean, it's rare that I go into a hot restaurant and yeah. I don't know half the. Stuff staff like you know i may not know them by name i may not know them by where i've seen them before mm-hmm. but you know quality teams yeah. poach from each other Absolutely. in las vegas in and a you huge see way. people yeah so you see the same people but this was like a team i didn't recognize anybody on the staff yeah they were so fucking good any of them could be working at a top strip restaurant um yeah all i've got to say and you know they were hip as hell you know super <laughs> chic super cool um you know made made this old man feel young a little i was gonna bit. say i always feel so uncool when people are like that on point with it and i look at it and go oh gosh how, I, how old are you oh, <laughs> I, God, i've got to yeah. say you know like I, I do feel that there was a time when i was cool so i don't mind right i don't mind people who are cool now that i'm not because i feel like i was cool once so it's okay um but yeah man just amazing like bravo to todd english man you that's know, great all of his restaurants in town are absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. and you know sometimes they're better than they have to be like the beast comes to mind yeah. in area 15 where they could just put out you know mediocre food and nobody would care because it's in a tourist attraction and it's extraordinary exactly in there um so you know i've got to say the todd english team is crushing it and definitely check out the pepper club because it's just getting better awesome wonderful that's great vtk turns two you can dunk on one of our favorite chefs to celebrate but first al checks in on two pioneering off-strip restaurants this is food and loathing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. As we have mentioned before on this show, Table 34 on Warm Springs Road near the airport is under new ownership. And Al had lunch with the new owners in the newly renovated space and then chatted with them about uh, what it's all about. Okay, so I'm here at the newly renovated Table 34 with Evan Glussman and Constantina Alexander. We just finished a fantastic lunch. Great burger, guys, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, Let's let's start with introducing you both to my audience. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. And people would know you, Evan, from Piero's, of course, which your family has run for how many years? Uh, this March, it's going to be 41 years we've been in business and you know been a staple of Vegas. And Constantine, I was looking, re-looking at your bio. You, I didn't realize, man, you've worked for just about everybody in this town, from Let Us Entertain You over at Monomiga B um, to Jean-Georges at Prime. I guess you're probably best known from your time at the Hakkasan Group. Am I missing anything? Um, just a little short stint at uh, Bellagio when I first moved in. But, uh, yeah, you got everything, and Hakkasan is definitely, I was there for eight years, and I controlled all the alcohol for the company, so I got to know a lot of people from that stint. So, yeah, that's, um, but, yeah, it's great. I've been in town for a while and worked for some really great companies, and it's been amazing. So I was surprised, and I learned in a very strange, funny, coincidental way that you had purchased this restaurant, um, Table 34, which is sort of a Las Vegas institution, an off-strip institution. I came in here for dinner one night, and there's Evan sitting at the table, a couple tables over, and came and said hi. And you're like, hey, guess what? I just bought this place, or we just bought this place. So could you tell me a bit about your company that you two have together and your decision to buy what's really been an off-strip institution? Um, so we formed Batch Hospitality in 2021 with the idea of, you know, really stepping out and doing some new stuff in Vegas. Um, we were going to do the first food hall in Vegas uh, out at um, Uncommons, and it just didn't quite work out. Um, but we loved our partnership, loved working with Constantine. We thought Batch Hospitality really had some legs in town. Um, and we identified Table 34, um, you know, as one of the, the best restaurants in town, kind of off strip. Um, Lori Kendrick, who used to own it, uh, was a dear friend of ours. Um, I was a customer. I hear all the time with my brother for lunch and really loved what she'd done. Um, but, you know, it needed to be updated. And uh, me and Constantine came in, um, identified it, loved it. Lori wanted to keep it, you know, in restaurateur's hands. Um, somebody who wasn't going to come in and get rid of her staff and really change her vision that, you know, it was a family restaurant. Her her brother was the chef, and she took great pride in that. So very similar to Piero's, it, it was her baby. Um, and she wanted to make sure it was in the right hands. And that's where I think Batch Hospitality and myself and Constantine really saw it. Uh, like I said, we're customers and loved it. And the idea was let's keep it the same and just elevate it. Let's take Constantine's wine and alcohol knowledge and 
you know, my front of the house as well as, you know, my design um, and really just elevate this restaurant. Uh, we didn't lose one staff member, which I think is a testament to us. Um, they wanted to stay with us. And, you know, first we updated the menu, um, put some new specials on, you know, really put on some new drink specials, some great wines um, that didn't really exist on her list. And finally, we've updated the aesthetics of the restaurant, um, you know, put in a new bar. We're adding a happy hour um, and just really updated it. It's something that we're really proud of. Um, I think it's a great restaurant for batch hospitality and you know the brand just started and now we can really go out and do some new fun cool stuff now you say all of the staff has stayed on board however you have a new chef in the kitchen correct so can somebody speak to who's who's cooking here now yeah my apologies you know i was talking front of house as i look around and see my front of house here um lori kendrick's brother wes kendrick was the executive chef for um 21 years at the restaurant um, we hired Joe Valdez, um, and extremely happy with him. So he came in, um, and just has been a great fit for us. And Joe was with Aria previously. Am I right? Am I correct on that? And could you give me a little background on Joe's background? So Joe came in and interviewed with us, um, when we were doing all the interviews at Piero's and we interviewed, you know, 30, 40 people and he just, he's a young guy. He, he had a great, great attitude and he followed up with us and, um, I'd actually met him from my old billiards contacts. I had dreams of being an old pro pool player and which I've squashed, but, um, he came in and really impressed us. He worked for V&E Restaurant Groups, which was his longest stint. He was the executive chef at Cafe Americano, and I worked at Mercado de Pescaria at uh, Venetian before that at Barcode Burger. And he's just a lot of energy, great guy. He's made the food just amazing. You know, we tried to keep a lot of the old dishes, but it just didn't quite work for a variety of reasons. And we have a pretty new menu, but a lot of the um, people uh, have really loved it and embraced it. We think the food's fantastic. All the new people we're getting are great. And a lot of the old customers have really, really embraced the food. It's important to us to keep the price points around the same and not come in and change too much with that. But Joe's got, he's a great guy. He's very energetic. And we're really looking forward to him being a, a big part of our company moving forward because he's just got the energy. He's very organized and his food's great. Great attitude, great Okay. Um, how would you describe the menu? What what type of cuisine do you want to serve here at Table 34 moving forward? So it was always comfort food in the past, and our goal is to make it elevated comfort food bordering into modern uh, American. You know, we have to find that balance because, you know, we don't want to be that place where you're going to come and get a plate that you can't finish, you know, and have to take it home. But we want to have the right amount of food on the table always farm fresh farm to table which is something that west did do um and we want to make it elevated not quite hot cuisine and fine dining because it is a local place we want people to come and have a strip experience off the strip for much less than strip prices so i would classify it as modern american right now or elevated comfort we got to find that niche which we're still finding um and i think that would be a good way to describe the food right now on the menu um, I had a fantastic burger for lunch. <laughs> this is really good. Um, and you were talking to me about some of the steaks that you're putting on the dinner menu, which are the pricing is unbelievable, especially from where the, the beef is sourced. Could you get into that a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, we um, we elevated the the stakes to prime stakes, which in itself is is great. And we're working with specific farms, so our fillet is from Creekstone Farms. Same fillet, you're going to find at some of the best steakhouses in the strip for seventy five, eighty dollars. We're charging forty five for it. Same eight ounce fillet, and that comes with a potato inside. So we just feel like that's a great value to our guests. And our New York strip is from Nyman Ranch, which is a very well known ranch. It's all prime. The steak's amazing, you know. And for a, a twelve ounce cut. You are charging $48. Again, same cut you're going to get for $75, $80 on the strip, and it's coming with sides. So it's important to us to have that value, and our guests have really appreciated it. And we found that people appreciate the value so much that they're spending a little more on, on wine and cocktails and things like that because we've seen that really skyrocket. So we're really proud of our steaks and, and the quality that Chef Valdez is, is sourcing. Now, at the moment, we're sitting in a room that's a little bare of art and things like that. I know that the renovation is, I don't know, 90% complete, perhaps not 100% complete. So when do you, when is this going to be at 100% people could come in, see the full product, and what should they expect in terms of decor? Um, so we should be done next week. I mean, me and Constantine are getting in the car going to California tomorrow to pick up you know. okay. And I should just say that we are recording this by the time, by next week, um, yeah, we're talking about, so by next Friday, that'll be the day this drops. So by the time people are hearing this, you'll be 100% done. We should be 100% done, yeah. The the remaining equipment will be here. Um, we're having a huge wine wall custom made in the back, which is going to hold about 500 bottles, and that's going to be a showcase for us. Uh, the art will be newly installed. We did really cool, vibrant pop art. Um, you know, our walls that you'll see are, are white. We have, you know, dark wood floors. We have wainscoting. Um, so it needed some pops of color. And we, we went and did throwbacks. We have Marilyn Monroe. We have um, James Dean. We got just really cool, classic people and, you know, bright pops of art. Um, and it's fun, you know. And now let's talk about the bar program because we're sitting right next to the bar. And, you know, I noticed this immediately upon coming in. I've been in here a few times since you guys took over. And I'm not, I don't claim to be an expert on spirits, but I've written a hell of a lot about them. And I've sipped quite a few in my day. And there are a lot of bottles that I recognize back there as being both quality but value at the same time um some great whiskeys so talk a bit about you know are you specializing in any one type of spirit are you specializing in any one type of cocktail where are you going with the bar program yeah so it's important to us to have a great selection it's a small bar so we can't have these huge you know library selections but Right now we have about 35 bourbons on the list and some other whiskeys. We'd like to grow that selection a little bit. It's important to have a curated list to have high-quality spirits. you got to have what people want. If somebody asks for something like a Jack Daniels or something, obviously you're going to have it. You can't be snooty out in the burbs and not carry things like that. Um, but, you know, the bar space is going to be allocated. We wanted to see if there was any interest in agave, which there really hasn't been a lot of. You, you we thought we might get a little more, but we're really gravitating towards whiskey. We do a great old-fashioned. It's got a you know compressed, clear ice cube that that is so important for that drink. We use high-quality ingredients, high-quality Demaro. We make a lot of our own syrups. And we're just trying to get the best whiskeys out there that aren't going to break the bank. We pour two-ounce shots to make sure that everybody's getting value. There's no up charges. We're not going to charge anybody for ice if they want it, like extra ice. We're not charging for extra, you know, 
half ounce or anything. There's no surcharges, which I think is a huge problem right now in the restaurant industry, especially in Vegas. So it's going to be spirit forward. We'd like to do some whiskey flights eventually, some different flights. Uh, we can make just about any classic cocktail there is to make out there. We have a small cocktail program now because we're going to see how happy hour goes and we want to make sure we're um, able to execute it. You never want to have a cocktail program where it takes 15 minutes to get the drinks to the table. Um, but right now we have a couple of really good specialties. The bartenders are super friendly and uh, we're just looking to see where it goes. I don't think it'll ever get to the point where it's a super proper fancy cocktail bar, but I can definitely make cocktails just as well as any cocktail bar in town. Um, we have all the ingredients and all the tools, and which is which is important. And we're really looking forward to seeing where it goes. And people always want an example of price point. So what's an example of a cocktail price point or closest bottle that I could see, Kentucky Owl? Or, you know, if I want a two-ounce pour of Kentucky Owl, what's that going to cost me? Well, it's important to note that that's the Kentucky Owl Confiscated, which is a specific Kentucky Owl, which is one of our more expensive ones. But for a two-ounce pour of that, it's going to cost you $30. Our cocktails are 12 to $13. Our old-fashioned is a two-ounce pour of whiskey, and there's a lot of whiskeys on there that you can get. You can get something, let's say, Buffalo Trace or Woodford Reserve and an old-fashioned. I mean, it's $12 for a two-ounce pour. It's just what you get. Two ounces. If you want some specialty ice, there's no charge for it. We're not going to try to nickel and dime people for the ice. We have to buy it, so it's an extra cost, but we want people to have a good time with it. Something like Blanton's, 15 bucks right now. You know, I'm not sure if that'll last because Blanton's is hard to get, but I definitely keep an eye on what other people are charging and make sure that we're very, very competitive. You know, our well drinks are $9, $10. You know, we just want to make sure that we're giving great value. And our, our specialty drink program, it's 12 bucks for a really high quality, especially cocktail that's going to rival the cocktails that cost $20, $22 in the strip. So, Evan, I think like it, it really amazed me that you were getting involved in this place because I, I felt like a restaurant, you know, I've known this restaurant, I feel like almost since I moved to town in 2001. And this was one of the very first off strip restaurants that people took seriously. And, you know, it was in my very first book that I did with John Curtis and Max Jacobson, Eating Las Vegas. Um, and that's going back really far. So it has a history. Clearly, you know how to. You, you're in you're i guess uniquely qualified to be the caretaker of a restaurant that has a history and a legacy and a place in the heart of um of the people of las vegas because of your experience with pieros so how do you see this restaurant and its connection with the town as compared to pieros and their connection with the city of las vegas i mean great restaurant it's very parallel you know pieros will be 41 years and I think you have to update with the times. You know, we have, at Piero's, we have a garbage Caesar salad. If you would have gone back 41 years and asked my dad if he'd ever have anything that said garbage on a menu, he'd probably hit you. It definitely hit me. Um, but you have to update. You have to have fun in your business. You have to serve great product, first of all. You have to have a great staff. But you have to evolve what people want. Um, and you have to stay with the times. And you have to be cool and inventive. Um, so that's kind of what we've done with Pieros. Um, you know, through trials and tribulations, we figured it out. Um, we brought in a new chef um, who was amazing and made some, some menu updates. Um, and we continue to do that with the bar program. So, you know, Lori Kendrick was the owner of Table 34. She did a great job. But some things needed to be updated. And I think if you sit static in any business for too long, people move on. Um, I think it's just a way of life and really all professions. So um, it's coming in and it's subtle. It's never coming in and ripping through a menu or 
closing and, and painting the walls and doing new flooring all at once. It has to be subtle. Um, you cannot offend anybody. You got to make sure your your staff stays, and you got to make sure the locals, the people who have supported you for 21 years or 41 years in Pieros, like what you're doing. They have to know the owner. They have to know Constantine and myself, and know that we care. You know, Constantine here is all day, all night. Um, I'm here a lot. You know, I have to be at Pieros as well, but I'm touching tables. You know, we know all the guests. We know what they like. We know where they're from, and um, you got to make people feel comfortable and safe and trust you. Um, and that's what we've been able to do is, I think, earn trust. They know that we we care about the business. Um, like I said, you started eating here 21 years ago. I ate here with my brother all the time when he worked in the gaming corridor. Um, and we genuinely care for it. And I think in any, any restaurant, you have to love it and you have to care. Um, and that's what both me and Constantine are about that's why we got along so well and that's really what the base of batch hospitality is about so you know perfect restaurant to to really showcase what we can do on our brand and I think we've done a great job in you know the short five six months that we've had it and I can tell that you're already thinking about other batch hospitality projects is there anything you can hint at or tease us with um, we've got a letter of intent in on another spot, but I, I don't think it's proper time to say it, but we're looking to get, I think one of the real strengths between in our company is Evan and I have seen a lot and done a lot, and I think we can adapt to spaces and figure out, and I can tell you that the space we looked at, we looked at the space, what was around, and we let the space dictate what we wanted to do there, what concept we want to do there. Obviously, if you buy a place that's got you know, a $300,000 tap system in place, you're not going to put, you know, a cocktail bar, you're going to put a beer bar there, right? So we, we've been able to adapt. And I think that our company with Chef Valdez, with Evan, you know, I think that we can adapt to anything and, and, and do a lot of different and really be a, a unique multi-concept restaurant group. And that's the goal. So we are working on our second space. We want to make sure we don't we want to make sure we get this place right. The remodel looks amazing. Evan spearheaded it, and it just looks amazing. It'll be finished soon, and we're just excited. So we do have another concept, but I, I think it's a little premature. We, we've got a letter of intent, which is great, but we haven't signed the lease yet, and I'm always a big fan of when it's signed, it's signed. What's that? I was going to say tell them what the concept is. So we, uh, we're bringing something cool new. You know, we're doing small plate modern Italian. Um, you know, I don't like the word tapas, but I do like shareable food. Um, so it's going to be built on that. And really, again, with Constantine and the bar program and his expertise in it, we're really going to push a, a really high-end cocktail program um, with great fun foods and small plate, small plate Italian, which doesn't really exist here in Vegas, um, and shareable and fun and, and just very energetic. Um, I will tell you that it's somewhere central so you know Summerlin Green Valley you both can get there quite easily so we're excited to announce that hopefully here shortly cool well hopefully you'll tell me first and one more thing on that we'll be building that place kind of from scratch so um, you know we'll have a Ferrari and uh, when you've got the right people in town there's a lot of talented people in town to, to fill it we'll be able to we really feel like we'll be able to have one of the best cocktail programs and cocktail bars in, in really anywhere not just Las Vegas so that's our goal 
Another off-strip restaurant that's become a locals institution is Gaetano's Ristorante on Eastern Avenue in Henderson. Al also sat down this week with chef owner Nick Palmieri, who is taking it into its second generation. I think you and I first met, God, probably at a Ralph Perazzo Christmas party, maybe. Yeah, Mike Amaday's house. Mike Amaday's yeah. house, yeah. Um, but that was a while ago. But of course, I've known your restaurant since I lived over on this side of town when I first moved to the Valley. You know, I mean, I was living over here in maybe 2002, 2003. And that's about when you started, right? Yeah, we opened up uh, June 2002. So the restaurant was actually founded in California, am I correct? Yeah, so my father was a restaurateur from Sicily. Um, he started his career in um, being pretty much a bar back at a traditional uh, Italian cafe where they have, you know, cocktails, espressos, pastries, things like that in his hometown of in, in Sicily. And then he worked on the cruise ships. And then after that, he became a maitre d' at the number one Italian restaurant in Beverly Hills where a bunch of old cruise ship guys back in the day in the 70s. And he's, uh, he asked all these people, like, um, where do you live? And they're like, Calabasas. And he's like, where the hell's Calabasas? So him and my mom, like, went out there to check it out. And it was literally still like a cowboy uh, horseback riding town out in the, the edge of the San Fernando Valley. And he goes, I'm opening up my restaurant here. My mom thought he was sort of crazy. And um, at the end of the day, he opened up with six seats in the restaurant. When we sold the restaurant in 2001, we could sit almost 200 people. So he literally like organically um, grew the restaurant. It was very successful. If, if we still had the restaurant today, I'm not joking you, TMZ will still, would like be parked that in front of our door. There was like crazy celebrities that would show up every weekend. And then, you know, my parents got sort of sick of LA and the landlord at the time wanted to raise our rent 25%. So it was like, at the time we were paying, I think like 17 grand a month. He wanted to raise another 25 and it was like, what the hell, you know, we've been there 20 years and it's like, you're treating a long time tenant like this. So we moved up, moved out here. And then uh, my parents decided to open up another restaurant. We were like literally looking all over the valley from paradise to this part of Henderson. And then we found this spot being the best based off of the potential growth of um, South and West Henderson. So with your your father knowing true authentic Italian cuisine and not having seen it kind of filtered through the Italian-American hundred-year tradition that we have, um, how is your family's approach, how was his approach originally to to adjusting Italian recipes for the American palate? Like, how did he approach that? And how is it perhaps different than some other people may be familiar with? That's that's a good question. So my father grew up post-World War in Sicily, his town was actually one of the invasion points from Patton. So he was one out of eight kids, lived in like a two bedroom house, and they were very poor at that time. So a lot of the cooking still to this day, I was in Sicily five months ago, where it's old school. It's like slow and low, you get everything fresh, things like that. I feel a lot of the Italian American, approach to cuisine is like just make things super heavy like make the sauce i i I hate i don't call it gravy it's sauce because in italy if you say gravy they'll like think like there's no gravy in italy so so it's sauce and just to make like the sauces as thick as possible or add certain flavor profiles to the sauce 
that you would not find in Italy. So his approach was like, let me try to bring these flavors from Italy to the neighborhood, but it's not like, uh, like people add sugar to their tomato sauce. There's no, like, we don't do that at all. We use, we use carrots and onions and use the sugar from the carrots like they do in Sicily to add that sweetness to the sauce. So there are certain aspects of, of, of Italian-American we do have on our menu, like veal parm and chicken parm, of course, because people like that and they want it. But the actual flavors are very old-school Italian. Like we make, we make our piccata sauce, for example, the old-school way with, you know, heavy butter, uh, lemon juice, white wine, fresh thyme and herbs and things like that, where you go to some other places where they just literally put lemon, white wine and butter, and it literally tastes like you're sucking down on a lemon and it's pretty disgusting. So, and we use like, you know, a little bit of flour in there to thicken up the sauce, but we do everything from scratch homemade. Um, we like to get majority of our like dry, good products, um, as we can and, 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 and um, meats all from Italy, like our salumis and whatnot. Um, I've been really heavy on that where it's like I, I'll, I'll reach out to local vendors and purveyors and be like, hey, is this from Italy? How does this taste? Get samples and then I'll bring it on. Does it cost more than a domestic product? Of course, but the quality is unbelievable. And that's where I think we differentiate between our competitors. Like we have a whole pasta program. We make our own homemade pastas. We make um, all of our sauces from scratch. I get my produce uh, twice a week, my meat twice a week, my seafood twice a week. So I'm always getting fresh product to make sure everything tastes fresh. And that's one thing that my father taught me because, and that's why he had such a good following because I know if I go to a restaurant and I eat something, I can tell if it's been frozen. I could tell because I grew up in the kitchen in the restaurant business. I can tell if it's frozen or fresh or like it's old, you know, and our whole approach is like as fresh as possible, good ingredients, solid. So you taste it and you go, wow, this is a good meal. Not like, oh, this is okay, you know. How old were you when your family came to Las Vegas and Henderson? And what was it like establishing this restaurant here? Was the neighborhood ready for it? <laughs> so I was 16 when I moved here in 2000. We opened up the restaurant 2002. I graduated high school two weeks before the restaurant. So it was fresh build out. It was learning curve. Um, when we first opened up the first week, I remember this lady, she... She lived here, but she had like a Boulder Highway or maybe like a Southern accent. <laughs> I don't want to knock people off on East Henderson, but it was just, just that approach. And she sent her pasta back. And my dad was in this thick Sicilian accent. He was like, hey, what's, what's wrong with the pasta? She goes, oh, it's too tough. And he's like, tough? It's al dente. It's supposed to be like that. And, you know, and for us bringing like fresh product like you know you get branzino or things like that people freak out you know um but i think over time you have uh more sophisticated palates more people having a better approach and 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 especially in the past few years people who do not want to go the strip to pay those parking fees and the exorbitant pricing and they go hey this is like 10 to 20 minutes from the house let's just go here rather than dealing with all the craziness on the strip so i think from 
what we've done in 20 years from the beginning, the biggest thing was educating people on the traditional Italian. You know, so, somebody came one time, I remember, and they, when I first started serving here, when I turned 21, they're like, can I get chicken with Alfredo sauce on top? I'm like, this is not Olive Garden. I'm sorry. We can't, we don't, you can get fettuccine Alfredo with chicken, but you, no chicken with Alfredo. Like, that's, right. no, no. And, you know, I know some people might be hearing this and they're like, well, why can't you do it with fettuccine but not with chicken? But it's one of those things that it's like, if I won't eat it like that, I'm not going to serve it like that, you know. So at what point did your father decide to step back and to leave you in charge of the kitchen? So I started working for my father when I was 10 years old. He was, it was like a Sebastian Maniscalco skit. He's like, you're not getting, you're not getting an allowance. If you like your house and if you, if you like your dog, you clean up your dog shit, you make the bed, <laughs> you come to the restaurant, ride your bicycle two miles to work, and you could work in the summertime. I learned how to like food prep and clean toilets and bus tables and host. We didn't have a POS system. So when I didn't see, my, I saw my father more in the first three years we were open at this location than the first 18 years of my life because I worked with him every day. And when I went to UNLV, what I would do is I would work with him in the kitchen during the day. Even when we closed for lunch, I would, he would show me how to make the sauces and, you know, cut fish and, 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 you know, fillet meat and things like that. And the time when he sort of saw me when I was taking over. So I was working with my oldest brother during the day for several years doing financial services. My brother's like, get out of the restaurant business, work here. But I hated working in an office. Like it just fluorescent lights give me like vertigo you know it's just I, it's, it makes my eyes like strain and I'm like I, I need to move around so I, I think it was 2017 I said you know what dad I think I'm gonna work here full-time and then from 2018 until my dad's death he started you know letting me do more stuff with the restaurant um, and in the kitchen and making more of the decisions he's like you can get this but just make sure you don't spend more than this you know type of deal um, but it was like 2018 onwards. After he passed in August, I literally took the reins over, and then my wife and I bought the restaurant in May of 2021 from my mom. Um, but the major decisions on menu design and, 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 and getting better quality products started back in 2018. So um, you're 20 years in with this restaurant. You're now in your full second year, going into your second year of ownership. Any plans for big changes or do you just want to keep doing what you guys do? No, we got <laughs> we got some big plans. I can't I can't give out all the details, but um, my wife and I have a vision of a, a two, two to three year plan of uh, ramping things up. A little bit. I'll never go to another location. My parents did that back in the day in California and, um, you know, lost their shirt with the second location. Uh, we're pretty much a big staple here, but we do have plans on expanding certain aspects of the restaurant in regards to uh, catering and maybe offering uh, brunch in the future. Um, but as of right now, that's our, our focus right now is um, to see where we can take the restaurant to another level. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much. Okay. Before I go, what's the one must have dish when people show up for the first time? 
Only one? Can I? Uh, go ahead. Hit me with a couple. I'll give you my top five. Okay. okay. So uh, for an appetizer, we have insane mozzarella sticks that we actually f- make homemade in-house filled with uh, pistachio pesto with marinara sauce. Um, I would say um, our osobuco. So that's number one. Our osobuco milanese is off the charts. It's my dad's like proprietary um braising sauce that we do and we actually use the base of the sauce our 30 hour demi glaze that we do with veal stock so i would say our osobuco the third would be our mezzaluna ravioli which is a veal ravioli with a porcini mushroom prosciutto pea cream sauce off the charts uh the fourth one i would say my grandma's recipe eggplant rollatini so it's not like your east coast rollatini that's stuffed with ricotta when you're in Sicily, you're like, back in the 50s, you can't afford cheese. So it's a thinly sliced eggplant we fry, and then we stuff with angel hair, chopped tomato, garlic, and basil, roll it up and bake it with uh, marinara sauce and mozzarella cheese. And our fifth one would be our tiramisu. The news, it's next. This is Food and Loathing. It is time for the news, and as you may know, Villa Azor has opened up in the Venetian Palazzo, up in the Palazzo next door to um, Sushi Samba. Um, it's now accepting guests. They have they have locations in San Jose, Dallas, Istanbul, Miami, and now Las Vegas. I popped in. The place is beautiful. The space is gorgeous. Hopefully, um, Gemini, you and I are going to yeah, die in there before the next episode, and we'll be able to report back. But just to give people an early preview, I spoke to Jacobo Jafif, the CEO of Danko Hospitality, which runs it, and he told people what they should expect. Mediterranean cuisine with a lot of dishes that people love. It's not, it's not, it's not strictly Mediterranean. So we did a little bit, for example, tuna crispy rice, that the people love it. We did some pasta with caviar. A lot of table side settings. We focus on the service. We have entertainment during the dinner. We have singers, sax player, magicians. Uh, then as the night goes on, lights will get darker. Uh, music will get louder. And party starts to happen. The magic. And Corey's Fine Wine and Spirits is in the midst of its annual rare whiskey raffle to benefit the Las Vegas chapter of Safe Nest. Issa Corey explains how that all works. We try to collect all these rare bottles over the year, and uh, such as uh, Pappy Van Winkle, Antique Collection, Weller, all that fun stuff. And there's a lot of energy pent up around those bottles, so we try to take that energy and kind of funnel it towards a good cause. Um, every year we team up with uh, Nevada Safe House, which is... Uh, uh, a nice charity uh, that helps abuse women and children, and we collect toys for them. So every toy that our customers bring in, they get raffle tickets for a chance to purchase these really rare bottles at the actual release prices. Some of these bottles are, you know, they're supposed to go for $80, $100 a bottle, but they go for thousands on the aftermarket. Mm-hmm. So we don't like to charge those kind of prices. We, we want to actually give our customers a, you know, a true value on that bottle. So we're, we're giving them a chance to buy them at that price. Um, either by donating toys to our charity or by supporting the shop and, and making purchases. They get tickets for the, the purchases in the store too. But uh, we found this a most fair way for our customers. And, and for the most part, they all seem to really enjoy it and, and participate and it gets bigger and bigger every year. So what's an example of one really coveted bottle and what kind of price you could pick it up at if, if you're lucky enough to win? Um, like right now we have the, the 
Van Winkle 10 year old, which is $79.99 a bottle. Um, if you do a quick Google search on something like that, you'll see it going for anywhere from 500 bucks to $2,000. It's kind of crazy. But I mean, uh, for, for our customers that support us and support such a great cause, this is our, our chance to kind of say thank you to them or reward them. Um, and so they can come in and actually buy that bottle at the actual release price, what the manufacturer, the distiller wants it to be. And the Vegas Test Kitchen is celebrating its two-year anniversary on Sunday with a party that runs from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Jolene Menina shares the details. You can come in and order food from several different chefs. Nina is coming back with Banishka, which is one of our favorites that we opened with. Um, Justin Hall, um, who's done a couple pop-ups with us, will be here. He's going to be doing gumbo. Christina Nguyen is coming back, which is this mama's house, which everyone loves her food. And then um, some of our tenants that are here now. So stay tuned, burger. Come get a smash burger. Down to earth. Pop and pies. Um, so a lot of really great food. We'll have some live music. Um, we're also going to do our wine club in the alley. So you can come by and taste some wine with us. All lower intervention wines, which is something that we focus on at the Test Kitchen. And then we're also raising money for charities. You can dunk the halls, which is Justin Hall will be in a dunk tank, which is going to be filled with ice cold water (laughs) (laughs) because we're going to make them suffer. Uh, We're raising money for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention for Nevada. We're also, if you want to help us decorate our tree, you can donate to Shade Tree um, as well as uh, Noah's um, Animal Shelter. So we shall end with something that, yeah, we have a little mixed feelings about, or not at all. (laughs) Even my fast food palate draws the line at Hot Pockets, 80% dough, 20% some sort of meat filling thing that have been in every grocery store freezer for decades and decades. Probably the same boxes for decades and decades. (laughs) But I also see that other companies, you know, the the vegan, the fair trade, the free range folks try to do their versions of those. No, it still ends up to be 80% yeah. dough and 20% something. Which is fine if I'm going to Cornish Pasty Company. Right. But, um, not, <laughs> well, they're, no, they've got a better yeah. ratio, to be sure. So <laughs> in what I consider another sign of the end of civilization, Hot Pockets is now in the clothing business. No. <laughs> selling a limited edition line of cargo shorts that include, yes, a Hot Pocket, an insulated pocket, the perfect size for transporting a hot Hot pockets. I, I, this is not okay. Oh, <laughs> I mean, God. Here's the deal. Why insulate it, man? I mean, why not just let it warm your junk? It's yeah. wintertime. Right? Like- if I've got it down yeah. there, I want it warm in right? my junk. Well, and then not- the rest of the year, my junk can warm it. I right? It's I mean, a- like, why are I we... I mean, it is Vegas. We do have, yeah. yeah. A, whole, a whole new meaning on the term centrally oh, located. Oh, God. Mm. Uh, if you're interested, find it yourself online because you're now dead. Yeah, no. <laughs> Junk adjacent fast food is where you draw the line. Junk adjacent yes, fast food. That's, exactly. That's the name of my new band. That's right. There's a church and state thing there. Oh, and that is it for this week. Big thanks to all of our guests. We had Jolene Menina, um, Constantine, and and Evan from from Table Thirty Four. Thanks to Nick Palmieri from Gaetano's. Um, our friends over at Corey's. If I'm forgetting anybody else, I apologize. But thank you all for chatting with me this week you're now dead to them (laughs) tell a friend about food and loathing which is available at the usual podcast places check al's musings and postings at the major social media sites 
And just search for Food and Loathing, and you'll find that. And reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, and why haven't you? We've been telling you every week. Download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need and whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app. And if you're computer-based, neonfeast.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, you want to chat about something, you can find me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. And for those of you that just don't get enough of me listening to this podcast, I'm always out there talking food in other venues. For example, you can see me every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. And there's always the Neon Feast update, always on The Vibe, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. And, of course, every Thursday morning, Al hits the club, AM 670, KMZQ, around 8.10 a.m. With Rich Johnson and Samantha Gemini Stevens, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Yeah.